0: Good day, nerds. This is Megan coming at you with another Cantina conversation. Today's episode features Chuck. We're talking about his book, The Plinko Bounce, that comes out on September 12th. This was a really cool conversation uh, with Martin. And his experiences and the long road, um, and you know, pretty, pretty harsh road that it took for him to get his books published. Uh, but he did it. Obviously, he's here. He's got about five or six books under his belt now. And, um, the fact that he's a retired, uh, circuit court, uh, judge, which, I thought was just kind of fascinating and really added to authenticity and just how interesting his stories must be and how he brings it to life. But either way, I'll let you guys get to it. Here is Martin Clark. Okay. Today we've got Martin Clark. We're talking about the Plinko bounce that comes out on September 12th. Martin, thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, this looks like my first, I guess it's considered what like a legal thriller, um, you know, legal illegal suspense, and this is my first time reading something that kind of like a subgenre of um, you know, crime fiction. So
1: it was really cool, yeah. really different, and I'm excited to get into it. All right, well, thanks, thanks for the invite, thanks for having me, and yeah, it's it's billed as a legal thriller, but it really isn't. And if and if you go out and buy it expecting to get a typical legal thriller that's really fast paced and really quick, uh, you'll be disappointed. Good yeah. way to start. It, <laughs> we have
0: we have to set realistic expectations you know
1: yeah there we go
0: (laughs) no problem um so before we get started can you uh talk about the book a little bit like a little summary so that listeners can
1: follow along sure well that's the john irving question the one that i'm really not good at answering i I know um, the very first time i was asked to 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 distill down what my book was about was in 2000 when my first book was out. I guess was 23 years ago, two decades, and I was so anxious and nervous. It was a phone interview, and and I kept rehearsing and thinking, and how could I be quick and 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 because you know it takes 300 pages to tell the story, so I've got yeah. to I've got to give you what this this novel is about in in, in a quick soundbite. And so my plan, I just read the book flat on the radio right there. I'm just reading and it. it was really bad. I was this dull monotone. I'm reading in. So that's that's the first thing. I'm not really good. I'm not really good at doing it, but generally speaking, every book that I write, I have a time for it. It should be fun, it should be entertaining. And, and I like to tell a good story, I like to um, to give you a, a a good plot, interesting characters, and a and a real payoff at the end. Um, something that that perhaps you don't see coming. And then I hope that having spent some time with my, my book and, and, and my characters and my story that perhaps your perspective will be bumped just a little bit uh, one way or the other in, in, a good, in a good sense. And this book, as we, we get closer and closer to answering your question, this book, and, and when you give sort of themes and, and, and it seems so didactic, but this book is about what happens when you have a very good system, in this case, the legal system. And there's, there's no cheating. The system works as it should, but the outcome is skewed. The outcome isn't what you would expect. And I don't want to give away the, the, the ending or, or, or of the book, or really what it's about. But, uh, you know, there, there are two possible outcomes or, or two permutations of that, that sort of thing. One is that an innocent person is found guilty and the other is a guilty person is, is released. And, and that's what this book is about. And and then what happens, how do we react? What should we do? And what happens once we have that error? So that, there you go, a, a long answer to a short question.
0: <laughs> yeah, that part of it is like really interesting just because um, with Andy's case, it's a technicality, like just a small minor error that really does it it becomes like bigger in the grand scheme of things and
1: it starts yeah, to unravel
0: yes yes and because Andy he's just good at what he does he's he's going to do his job
1: um, and Andy is a public defender by the way yes, yes. Andy is is the, the book's protagonist he's a burned out public defender and one of the things that I really hope to do I um I am a real life circuit court judge and retired now. Um, but one of the things that I hope to do was to shine a very positive light and a good focus on public defenders' offices. Uh, they work really hard, and at least in my part of the world, the folks who do that are, day in and day out, probably some of the best criminal lawyers I see. And and, and they don't have that reputation. And there's a riff in the book, and somebody says, you know, we'll, hi- we'll, we'll go hire the high flyer from out of town and he or she will show up and pound the table, and you'll get all the um, all the drama, drama, and theater, and they won't do as good a job as the public defender that you would have gotten for the bargain basement price. So, mm. public defenders, at least in my part of the world, I would let them represent me. And Andy is a public defender; he's overworked and he's burned out.
0: Yeah, yeah, you could tell. It's <laughs> just like from um, getting to know him as a character; he's he's over it.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, so, kind of hopping off of that, can you go into your background a little bit and, um, and maybe you just kind of want to? Ex- I want to explore how you know your professional background led you to um, writing novels because you've you've got a few published works and um, you know I, I was just re- be really interested to hear about how you know your your professional career kind of like led you to ultimately telling Andy's story.
1: I um This is my sixth book. Um, and that's six in my first novel was published in 2000, Uh, a a legal thriller. It is called the many aspects of mobile home living, uh, and, and not a conventional legal thriller title. Mm. Uh, This is my sixth book. And my first book was published when I was 40. Um, and I had 20 years of closed doors and rejection letters, Mm. And, I, and I think that if, if anyone who's been a writer or wanted to be a writer, you, most people go down this road. Yeah. And, and, and I went down it really, really hard. And I accumulated rejection letter after rejection letter. And, and I'd gotten to the point that I, I just said, I just want to see it on a bookshelf. If, if, <laughs> I'll, I'll give it away. <laughs> I don't want to be paid for it. And then because I'm sort of craven and, and desperate, you do this thing and, and you promise generically, you, you promise the Lord that you will whatever money I make, I'll give to charity. <laughs> and then one day, this book that I could not give away, and of course, I'm working full time uh, at this juncture as a judge and, mm-hmm. and, and I have a day job. And and then one day Gary Fiskajohn at Kanoff calls my agent and said, you know, we want to buy this book, and and that was just absolutely amazing to me. And and then the book that I could not give away, I literally couldn't give away. Uh, and and sometimes in my gigs, I read my rejection letters, which are priceless. They are just <laughs> priceless. <laughs> Maybe I'll, I'll scoot the chair across the room here and pick. And, and pick one up off the shelf and read it to you. Uh,
0: yeah, just, what a
1: go for it! Is, it. <laughs> yeah, it is just the stuff is just lovely. And um, <laughs> so this book that I can't give away and that everyone rejected, it, it's published, and then the New York Times likes it, and they send someone to Patrick County to interview me in my backyard with the the bear spots and the cur dogs. <laughs> and the next thing I know, it's it's everywhere. And I am dubbed the thinking man's John Grisham, maybe even better the drinking man's John Grisham. And I have <laughs> died down on that ever since then. And that that book was about a Southern judge who was mostly high and impaired and, and his dissolute brother and band of merry hangers on. Uh, not really me, um, but certainly you don't lack for stories to write and you don't lack for material Working in the court system, I oh, have I all kinds of I have all kinds of stories I could tell you. I just don't have enough time to write them. <laughs> you could write a series of short stories. Yeah, the great thing about the the, the courtroom is half the stuff you would write editors would not believe, and <laughs> and, and readers wouldn't believe, it. and and that's the truth. That that's that really is the truth. Oh, man, that is so
0: funny. It says it's yeah, it's it's funny, but it's also like, oh, yikes. <laughs>
1: okay. I'm looking at if you'll ask another question as, as I'm listening, I'm going to go get a rejection letter and read it. to you. Oh, sure. What I can you... give you I can give you a few seconds. That's fine. OK, you know, I'm not petty or it's, it's, it doesn't bot. You know, I have these things 30, 40 years later. What would it be? 30 years? You know, I'm not bitter. I've just held on to them. <laughs>
0: It's you know it could be a little reminder as to like how far you've come and also like you know just kind of yeah like some tough some tough love constructive criticism to help you. This like, is not that. You know. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, this, the never. This, this, <laughs>
1: this is this is this is plant boy stuff. Okay,
0: yeah. there we go. The the juicy stuff.
1: So, yeah. So I would say it is dated January twenty
0: fourth, nineteen eighty three. Oh wow. Uh, I okay.
1: I would, yeah, it is so old that it is written with a manual typewriter. And if you <sighs> hold it to the light, you can actually see the, uh, the whiteout. Oh, no. <laughs> um, and I have held on to it all these years, along with many other rejection letters. And when I read it, you'll see why. Uh, it is from Ruth Cantor, Literary Agent, 156 Fifth Avenue, New York, New York. And it begins, Dear Martin Clark you seem to have proved that you can write wittily and amusingly about just anything and everything that enters your head. What you have not, and she underscored not, proved is that you can write a novel. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yikes. I read five pages and wondered if you'd ever been scared by a performing flea, read ten more and developed a severe case of vertigo, spot-checked through the balance of the manuscript, and could discover no improvement. So I have no choice but to pass on this. Really, I thought you were gonna jump on it. What a, what, a, what a stunner. People just won't put up with this sort of nonsense, and editors know it. Sincerely, Ruth Cantor. That was, I, I got tons of letters like that. People just really didn't like my book. So it was wonderful when it finally, um, I, I paid my dues for, for almost two decades. Oh wow. Uh, It was wonderful when it when it finally uh when it finally landed. So yeah, that was my first book and um four more with Gary um at at Kanoff and and now the new one is out.
0: Oh wow. Oh my gosh. (laughs) And you still went you you still you still kept going. You didn't you got back on that horse. You didn't let that stop you.
1: Yeah, I really Frequently people ask me about writing and, and and doing well in the business or writing a bestseller. That that's a, a frequent question. How do you write a bestseller? And and the bottom line is you really, really have to like it. And and one of the good things about this gig for me is I've met a lot of really good writers and people who are heroes. Tom Wolf, um, the late Tom Wolf was my mentor and hero. What you learn is that um, so few people really ring the bell first time out. And and I think where we read these stories. Um, it's the People magazine story. You know, I wrote this book a page at a time at my kitchen counter um, between really bad, difficult jobs. Um, it, the first agent loved it. <clears throat> there was a bidding war for it. And then um, I, I'm in one day, uh, the, the you know, the movie exec picks me up in a limo and, and I saw the movie rights. So that's the lottery winner. Right. But by right. and large, most of us put in a lot of time, and the reason we did it is because we really enjoy it. You mm-hmm. you really like it, and 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 again, like you said, I would sure have to with that kind of uh, discouragement. <laughs> it was just, yeah, that was just very like
0: blunt and kind of harsh. But I mm-hmm. I think they probably have kind of have to have to be ruthless like that a little bit, um, just you know, to to really build upon. Just to make writers like to kind of cut through to cut through the weaklings, right? Like to weed out, weed out the weak You're weaklings. very generous. You're
1: very generous. After that. I mean, you no, know, this, this lady disliked the book so much that she just she had a form letter. She could have sent. right, but no, you're just gonna blow me up. Is it, yeah, I'm, gonna
0: I, I'm just I'm trying. Yeah, i have tried to be
1: positive, and you, you got there eventually. Yeah, yeah okay. twenty years, I was an overnight success. But anyway, <laughs> once I once I finally broke through, I hit the ground running, and it's it's been it's been a, a good trip ever since then.
0: Yeah. Um. So, did you approach this uh, the Plinko bounce kind of the same way? And you know, did your I mean, I imagine like at in your professional career as like a like circuit court judge was your title correct? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, I imagine some of that, um, and even just your education, you know, working towards your qualifications and your schooling kind of prepared you for like that research gathering and stuff like that. So how did you kind of approach your writing the same way? And did you, you know, switch anything up
1: for this last one? Well, legal writing is not helpful in terms of being a good fiction writer. Legal writing needs to be very terse, concise to the point. And, and maybe fiction writing does too, but mine, mine isn't. So the writing skills are different, what you're looking for. And, in terms of doing research, I will sort of get a little germ of an idea, a, the genesis of a story. Sitting in court, something will happen, and and that happened, and and that's what prompted the Plinko balance. I, I was trying a case, and it was a jury trial, and we knew, all of us on the the professional side of the case, he's we dead solid guilty, mm. but. The critical evidence had been lawyered out of the case. There was a, a search and seizure error, no, and and there was no de- debate about that. And 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 understand, judges don't take a particular delight in letting guilty people go. That, that, yeah. I think that's a popular misconception. So we're I'm I'm watching this trial, and we know the defendant is guilty. His lawyer knows, the Commonwealth knows, I know, the jury does not know. And we watched I watched the Commonwealth try to build this case around what they had left, sort of the residue Mm. of their case. And I've also been sort of on the opposite side of that equation. I have really worried. I have seen people and and I'm thinking I'm virtually certain that this person is innocent. And, Mm. And 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 I know that from trying another part of the case in another community. And you worry what will happen if that innocent person is found guilty doesn't happen much, but that that sort of made me think this would be something that's really interesting to fictionalize. And then on either in, in either of those scenarios, what what's fair? What's the outcome and how do you fix it and how do you correct it? So the great part of my day job is that it gives me almost unlimited um, stories yeah, and like material. <laughs> yeah. And, and the other thing about it is it's very frustrating sometimes, I think. Even for lay people who aren't in the system, when you watch or read something that just seems fanciful, and I really try to to nail down the, the technical aspects of what I'm doing so that it's real, so that people can experience it the way it is, and you don't have this legal deus ex machina rolled in and just some silly outcome, or and, and you see that from time to time, and, and even if you're not a lawyer and you're watching this, and I, I won't call any Names. I, I, I'll do this. We love the series Goliath. I don't know if you've seen that. It's a Billy Bob Thornton show.
0: Oh no, I it's haven't. Like a um,
1: series or something. I don't know. It's it's, it's kind of new though, isn't it? It it did three seasons and it's gone. And it okay. was excellent. It was excellent. It's great acting. We loved it. We watched it. It was at times surreal. It was very evocative. But the law in it was just bizarre. And we would watch it with friends and, and they would look at me and say, you can't do that. They're not even lawyers. It's, it's just counterintuitive. <laughs> and so you do get a little bit of that from time to time, even in great stuff. And, and that's one thing I, I, I think that I can do that, that makes the writing a little better for the reader is, is to make it real and correct
0: yeah yeah like authentic i mean yeah you, you definitely um write with kind of that like insider's uh intuition like you kind of see how um the situation plays out and what goes on like behind the scenes and yeah al- also yeah. like you're you know your fellow colleagues who you kind of can predict how they're going to act or you kind of can sense their like underlying motivations and you know mm-hmm. you you kind of like respect them, but you're like, Oh, they're like in an a-hole, you know, like it's, yeah. it's kind of, yeah. It's, and it, which could be really complicated. And I, I think, you know, the whole illegal system is super complicated obviously, but um, when you add all those people and some of them are just as like, uh, you know, intelligent and clever as, as the next one, it, it just makes for really, really, really interesting, like, material whether you're trying to tell a story in literature or like in tv or in film it's yeah i think that's why it, it can be like so um yeah just like engaging in general
1: yeah the um you, you do not lack in the legal profession and i just read a, a a book about a neurosurgeon i think it's the same case in 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 the medical profession you do not lack uh for folks with with uh, big personalities and significant egos.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then the the seniority, um, you know, only kind of adds to it.
1: Right. Yeah, absolutely.
0: (laughs) Oh gosh. Cause like, yeah, you think like, you know, you just the connections you have to make and you have to be like, just really familiar with, with um, cause you deal day in and day out with a lot of the same people, kind of how you t- touched on. before. Yes, you did. Yeah. And so, you know, it's, it's, I imagine that that could be really tricky sometimes it's to like, depending on what side of the, the argument you're on and you, you see the worst and the best
1: of people, I would imagine. I am three years retired. I have a tiny little office at the courthouse and I go in and Frequently, as I go in, I will see the dockets, the, the schedule for, for the upcoming term of court or the upcoming day. And, and generally, I if you give me 10 guesses, I can pick that docket up, turn it over face down so I can't see it. And if you would give me 10 guesses, I can give you at least two defendants who will be on the docket. You do <laughs> see the same people over and over. And that's again, that's something that I and I, I, and I know that's frustrating for people in the community. But so often those folks, their conduct's driven by drugs or alcohol and mental illness. And we as a court system, we're handed those folks and we're told to fix them. And we have no tools to fix them. And, and that's very frustrating. It's frustrating from every, every perspective. I understand if you live in the neighborhood where the petty thief continually is, is stealing your lawnmower gas or knocking out the window of your garage or wandering around at three in the morning urinating behind your, your, your house, that's frustrating and, and we live in the community too, and, and we don't like that any more than you do. And those folks then are, are given to us and, and not all but recently um, some of the last cases I had, I had a lot of vets, a lot of veterans and and, and they just had profound issues. Mm-hmm. And as a court system, they handed to us and our tools are really lightweight rehab programs, drug and alcohol, programs or jail yeah so exact, and so you 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 sort of band-aid something together as best you can everybody wants to do better the defendants release the defendant returns and and there you are again
0: yeah yeah i imagine that's like yeah you're it, dead right it's like either punishment or quote-unquote treatment right and but it's yeah. for for like the the repeat offenders like you know, kind of like our perpetrator in your book, um, they know, they know the system. And they did. Yeah. And it's it's unfortunate, you know, that um, there are like substances or other mental health issues involved. And you know, it just takes like so much more of a hands on approach than what you guys have. Because I imagine you go through like, what, dozens of cases a week? Like it depends, you know, this uh, is me just kind of taking a guess
1: no we go through dozens a day we go through yeah okay even in a small jurisdiction i'm in Southside, virginia and um in 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 small communities but even with that i mean we will do you know a typical docket you do anywhere from 10 to 20 cases a day okay Um, okay so yeah it's like you got to move on to the next one right it's like well you we don't i mean you may end up staying late you may but i i it's it's somebody's life and and, and, yeah. and you you don't ever need to forget that you take as long as you need for every case and everybody and you soon learn that you, you never know what's critical to somebody you never know what's really important you, you can have I've had early on in my career I had a, a, a in, in circuit court a, a man appeal a PLA speeding ticket and and he was just adamant about the speeding ticket and it turned out he was he, he drove commercially he was a truck driver he had a CDL. And he would lose if he got this ticket, he would lose his livelihood. Mm. And so that's something that you and I would be very dismissive of. Some guys. That's has true, because that's yeah. Yeah, why is he in here? Why is he in, in not not in district court? Why has he peeled this? And and I I just flat out asking. And he told me what was going on, that he had a good record, that he was a safe driver, but he, his his company had a zero tolerance policy and he would lose his job. And, 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 and there goes, you know, that, that has, that's impactful for his family. It's impactful for him. And, and, and we, we, we worked a remedy that, that kept it from going on his record. Okay.
0: No, that's really, really good insight. I appreciate that because it is like you, these people come in and like, it's a face and they're they're It's like in person and you're, it's not like, you know, it's not like just a name on a paper, like you're seeing them, you're talking to them. And so that that's really powerful and helpful that you straight up just asked, like, why are you pushing? Why are you, here? So, like, <laughs> why are you here?
1: Why are you here? Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. But, you know, on the happier topics, I'm, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for you to I'm trying. I've been working on my answer all day because it's Nerd Cantina. <laughs> it's okay I need to, to shoehorn myself. I, I joined your Facebook page today, too.
0: Oh, you did okay.
1: Because what what did I see recently? Uh, what um,
0: there there's a whole line...
1: bunch of <laughs> there's a whole bunch of random stuff on yeah, there. This, was, this was a, I, I, since I can see you, and I, I, I saw you uh, sort when I said Facebook. You you almost paused. Somebody said recently it was a line in a show I was watching. The only people who watch who are members of Facebook are grandparents and racists. <laughs> <laughs> so, I am neither, I promise you, but I joined in hopes of, of figuring a way that I could wiggle into Nerd Cantina, and I've been trying saying. to think of my nerd bona fides all day.
0: Oh, okay. Um, well, let what, me see here. Yeah. <laughs> I,
1: I know. Well, so I do I, have
0: my list of questions, but a lot of the time, I guess it depends on like the the subject matter, because some of them, for some books that um, I you know, I interview the authors about, we can get real nerdy, but yours is like. It's kind of serious, you
1: know, <laughs> um, but, but fun. I have.
0: Yeah, no, it, it was really interesting. um, and, and it was interesting to kind of see how, you know, the title of the book, the Plinko bounce that is pretty apt, where it's like one thing and you don't know it could go like anywhere. um, And there's like all these other factors that make, you know, make it the case bounce back and forth and, and spiral out of control. I think the nerdiest thing. Well, you know what? Well, I have a couple more questions, but I'm going to get to okay. it. So um, I like I like asking this question a lot. Um, so when writing The Plinko Bounce, what were the most enjoyable parts to write and what were the most challenging
1: parts to write? I, I absolutely love writing, as, as you and I just discussed. And I, I get up even though I'm retired now, I get up every day about six and I sit at my computer and, and I write and, and it sort of transports me. I, I, I leave, especially when I had a day job. It would take me away from that. And it was so nice to, to be in this world. And uh, I mentioned Tom Wolfe earlier. And Mr. Wolf told me <clears throat> years and years ago, he said, you know, you have to write every day. It's a gig. It's a job. And it may not be good, but seat time matters. Get up and write every day. And, and often you will you will write something and end up just you'll throw it away. It's not any good. But you need to be in that habit. It was never hard for me because I just really liked it. So I actually I love the writing part. I love uh, before I start. I have everything sort of in my head to translate it from that that abstraction onto paper. And so I love the writing part. And I it I just now so much hate the the editing part. Mm. <laughs> you, you, you know, you write this book and you do the best you can, and it's not substantive editing. It's this stuff like: is there a hyphen in this word? Oh, okay. Uh, should, this, should there be a semicolon? Is this the preferred spelling? Have <laughs> I used the word "that" too much? Have I used the word "damn" too much? It just is tedious and 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 dreadful. So I, I like I like writing. I just really have gotten to the point in my life that I that I hate editing, and I I've always worked with really good editors, and 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 I'm not talking about. I very much invite people to tell me this is wrong, or this is bad, or this needs to be fixed, or this doesn't make sense. Substantive editing, right. but the the tiny stuff, you know, do do we use an Oxford comma here? What yeah, <laughs> it, it just it just wears me out. I'm 64 years old, and it just wears me out. And 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 and. So, I'm glad I'm through. We have have the finals in, it's the printer. If something's wrong, if that's not the preferred spelling, it's too late now. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, Yeah. I love all aspects of writing, but I sure hate editing. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that
0: where um, the the substantive editing, though, like it's, I, when I talk to authors, they like, you know, it's funny because they're like thinking they're hilarious to like write a joke or they make their characters really funny. And they're like, (laughs) you know, waiting for their editor to be like, Hey, did you find get any laughs in when you were reading through this? Or like they dread seeing like all the markups or the sad faces or like like question marks, yeah. like what's yeah. going on here? Like what? Like so I just I think that's so funny that um of course like the the dreadful stuff would be that tedious, like Ugh. stuff that's so easy to miss.
1: I I recall I can't remember which book it was. One of my books, Gary Fiskejohn, my editor. It was, he was a genius editor, um, and, and I think he was involved. I don't know how many Pulitzers I know. Richard Ford, Richard Russo, he, he sort of brought Cormac McCarthy to, to prominence. But I got my manuscript back. It was in the days when you, you actually did it by manuscript, and, and Gary used a green pen. And I was going through and looking at his changes, all of which were really smart. Some bordered on brilliant. and And then a page was missing. So I called. I talked to his assistant. I said, there, there's a page missing. You guys must have left it there when you sent it back to me. And, and and he said, no, Gary just thought it was so bad that he took it out and tore it up. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, I said, okay, and they just I get, didn't I get, tell you. They just like, no, this, they just
0: didn't say yeah, anything.
1: There's no saving this one. It is. It's. It's beyond help. We're just going to take it out. I. Uh, I said, well, okay. I. I can see. I can transition from there to there, and we'll just. We'll just leave that bridge out. Um, All right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow. Like there. There was no like arguing. It was. It was no, no. not. There was no. You're not getting the there. page
1: back. You're not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll have to recreate it from memory if I'm going to use that one. <laughs> oh
0: my gosh, that's so funny. What advice? would you give to Andy? Oh,
1: my, my character. Yes. Um yeah. see, you know, if if this is my first interview, if 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 I had been on the road now for two or three months, I would have a quick, clever answer. It's oh, okay. Take your time. Uh, no, I, I think I don't know that I think Andy does everything right. He he and again I think it's very important for people to understand because there's a lot of suggestion. There's corruption in the court system there. There's mischief in the court system. This book, that's not what this book is about. This isn't, you know, the judge is taking a bribe. The lawyers are throwing a case. Um, this is a straight up case where everybody's doing their best job with the evidence they have and how you're creative with that. But I think someone like Andy, who has a lot of talent and a lot of skill, but really is, is burned out. um, and And Andy makes a really difficult decision that is that is that is brave, and I think he makes the right decision in the book for himself and 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 generally speaking for jurisprudence, so I would think that there's not a lot of advice I would give him other than you know keep doing what you're doing that he's a good mm-hmm. guy, so
0: he did surprise me kind of like I mean, yeah, obviously we want to be spoiler free, but um when it comes down to him having to make some tough decisions. It's he. Yeah, he kind of surprised me a little bit, but I was
1: I I, I wasn't mad about it.
0: <laughs> you know,
1: I I'm not sure that's the investment I want from my readers. I was okay. mad about it. Not, I was <laughs> over the moon with it with his choices. I loved it. I really embraced it. I wasn't mad about it. I'm not sure is a ringing endorsement.
0: Oh well, no. I I I don't know how to make you feel better about that. Um, no, it's just because he, because he was just so like, yeah, like you said, like he's he's a good person, but then he's like definitely, uh, he comes at a crossroads where he's like, should he take matters in his own hands? Because yeah, if he doesn't, yeah. then it could it could be very it
1: could turn out very horrible without giving. And that's you know sort of the 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 trick in in this book without giving a whole lot away. And and I understand the ending is not going to be everybody's cup of tea. And my I have several friends who are early readers and I think everyone has been has enjoyed the storytelling, but I'm not sure that everyone would buy into I think the the term that you know the publisher used the provocative ending. Mm.
0: Um <clears throat> Well, and, I think and, and, so. So I, when I say I wasn't mad about it, I wasn't mad about Andy's actions. Like, yeah. I, f- I feel like even if um he he decided to do the other thing, I think I would have I would have been a little upset with him. If, if hmm. he would, I would I would have been more upset if he if he chose the other route, hmm. you know, of of, you know, standing back versus like choosing yes. what to do what he did. I that that's kind of like where I'm getting it I was like no I'm I'm not mad I'm not mad at what Andy did I'm because like, he's to me it's just kind of it's just kind of tricky like did he do the right thing I don't know but he kind of also has his own like internal uh you know conflict a little bit where he's kind of like reassessing his how he feels after the fact
1: you know yeah exactly and and that's that's you know that's the plot art that's what the book's about and I think people will see it different ways I is is a story I like to think it's well integrated and and it and it will, as I said, you know when we started this, one of the things that I hope to do is to entertain you, maybe surprise you, to give you a payoff at the end, and then maybe move or shape just a tiny bit your perspective and, and what you think about. It. And evidently, it didn't make you too mad. <laughs> so, I'm not trying to hurt your
0: feelings. I'm just, yeah, I'm right. just, it's, because I I'm less <laughs> a sucker for like character development and yeah. um or like whether you know which is like okay is the story is it character driven or is it plot driven because i've talked to i've spoken with authors who like they they focus on the character and they're like oh i gotta make a plot <laughs> i got you yeah, know those pes- yeah those pesky things you know and so i think that's kind of where like i was kind of following him but then i was like yeah, I was, I was kind of like tugged into the case and, and where it was going to go and what was going to happen. Like, cause you did like, it bounced around a lot. And then we're, we're just kind of like, what's Andy going to do? Like what's going to happen? And then, but you know, I, I think, I think after now that I'm remembering um, with his dog and I'm sorry, I forgot the dog's name. I'm, I'm a huge that's dog just- lover. So yeah. Yes. So maybe that's why I was like, I'm I don't, I'm not mad at what he did because I was like, I, you know, as soon as um, that line was crossed, it was like, oh hell no! Like you don't mess, <laughs> you don't don't mess with my dog. And um, I, I think I was just because you know the way that it, the the buildup, I was like, what? What is he doing? What is going on? What is up his sleeve? But you know he's up to something. Yeah. And then once it, you know, <laughs> once it's revealed, I was kind of like, all right, like you know, okay. Good you know like <laughs> yeah that's all I'm, I'm not trying to hurt your feelings I'm just saying I would be kind of upset if he chose the other route but I'm like that's what I'm saying like no I, I don't yeah obviously um, you know he, he makes some questionable decisions but I'm not I don't think uh, he, he did anything
1: wrong in that in that regard well that's sort of where the book you know that's where you know the book should take you so and, mm-hmm. and again everybody's good I think I hope most people will will come down and, and find him sympathetic at the beginning, the middle, and the end. But uh, not everybody will. I don't guess. Um, <laughs> my, my, my favorite, you're, you're talking about character development. My, my favorite writer is Larry Brown. And somebody right before Larry died, mm. he did an interview with Stephen Usry in, in Memphis. And Stephen knew I was a fan, and he sent me Larry's interview. It was one of the last he did. And he said, and he asked him just about writing. And he said, I, "I I create really interesting characters, and and then I load them up with troubles and see what happens." Yeah, and that's a good, <laughs> and that's an interesting way to, to get plot, is to take really good characters, get to know them, load them up with troubles, and he would just write them out of their troubles.
0: Yeah, I I like um I like also like it when authors they just yeah like when they do that when they just throw things at them make their lives difficult and see just to see what comes out of it and also um or or you know maybe they've established characters established themselves as like uh you know this ruthless person like this um you know cutthroat rugged uh character and then someone will come in and bring out the softy in them or or make or make them uncomfortable by like asking them like really out outlandish questions or just trying to get to know them or it's like you know uh the brooding um character a with the sunshine bright sunny smiling (laughs) character b and you know the opposites attract things like that i think is just like so funny but this also the same where it's like a group of characters are trying to accomplish a goal and they've they're encountering like ev- like every step of the way ev- something goes wrong like whatever and it's it makes for good entertainment definitely both in literature and in like um in tv and film um i did think of a nerdy question for you what, i'm ready um yeah <laughs> what is your favorite um like lawyer character like character, who's huh. like a lawyer, or or even a judge, if you want to go there too. Because I I'm imagine I don't know how much um, you know, like sort of like crime fiction shows or TV that you or shows or movies that you watch. But had do you have you, a favorite? You,
1: do you mean fictional?
0: Yes, yeah. <laughs> I'm not okay. familiar with any like
1: nonfictional yeah, I, uh, yeah,
0: lawyers yeah. or judges. Yeah, yeah, okay.
1: So I like Mickey Haller, the the Lincoln lawyer. Um, I like Jake Brigance. You know Grisham's. Um, that that would be, I guess, A Time to Kill. Uh, so those would probably be and and be my favorites now. And, okay. Um, I'm
0: not familiar with those. Could you tell me why?
1: Um, I, they're just. I, I think part of the reason that I like the lawyer from A Time to Kill is I think it's just a great book. It's interesting to me that I think people really discount what John Grisham does. Um, he he is able and he has been year after year for, for goodness knows how many years to write a really entertaining, compelling story. And People say, oh, I could do that. And the answer is, well, no, you couldn't <laughs> to, to write a, a fascinating, fast paced, realistic story with a good hook in it and good characters. And if you go back and, and I don't know how many people even read A Time to Kill Now, and, and that book is really, really good. And, and 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 the characters are really, really good. And and I would argue with you that it may not be you you know an A American classic, but it's an A minus American classic. It has okay. <laughs> great themes. It has great action. It has a great resolution. What I like to call the tricks all the way through there. It's just really a, a great book. And out of that, it comes a a, a great character. If if you're a lawyer and you, and that's what you that's your gig. That's what you do. And um, the Lincoln Lawyer is just a hoot. It, the Lincoln Lawyer is just it's just fun and over the top. The Lincoln Lawyer is the lawyer we wish we could all be. But you would do that about three days and you'd be disbarred in real oh. life.
0: <laughs> just full of shenanigans or just no Fs given.
1: Yeah, yeah, both. And, and yeah. <laughs> all, kinds of great, all kinds of just clever tricks. But it's good. It's good stuff. You know, Michael Conley is a, is a good writer and it's great stuff. Oh, cool.
0: Cool. Yeah. Maybe I'll add those to my uh, my reading list or at least my audio book list. So Martin Clark, what are you working on next? Is there anything um, any other
1: projects that you could talk about? No, I'm I'm a one book at a time guy. <laughs> I, yeah, I just once I finish this and, and and the last thing I have to do for this book, speaking of audio, is is I am now listening to the audio version. And, and it's just, it's a delight. It's so fun to do that. It's fun to, to actually, for the first time, sort of hear what you wrote and, and, and hear it materialize. And um, David Aaron Baker has been my reader for a while. Morgan Hallett is with him this time. And I just really, if, if you listen to a lot of audio, it, it's always plagued me that basically you have one reader, male or female. Mm -hmm. And especially and and certainly I'm not writing romance novels, but there are some scenes in in, in the new book that are romantic or vaguely sexual. And if you have a guy reading the girl parts, (laughs) it just seems like bad globe theater sometimes. (laughs) It just seems really strange and contrived. So it's always been a goal of mine to get both a man and a woman to read. And, and my new book has that. And Dave Aaron Baker is just the best. And, and Morgan did one of my earlier books and she is just gifted. They both, they're both award winners. And so I'm listening to that now and, and I will get to the end. And if there are any errors, it probably won't be, I'll let them know. And then I just book tour for me, which will start September 12th. It's just sort of a, a time to celebrate and look back and, and have a good time, especially at age 64. And it'll be a nice slow book tour with, with my wife and the dogs. And <laughs> then I, I have the idea, the tiny little germ, the way all my books start um, for the next one. But I had a, I had a chat with my agent. I am 64. I will be close to 70 when the next one hits, mm. you know, and you never want to be share and say, this is the last one, you know, this is a farewell <laughs> tour. Then you have the final bow farewell tour, the last curtain farewell tour, and it goes on for 10 years. But um, I'm just, yeah, I'm not really sure, you know, I'll probably do one more. I hope to get to, uh, but historically, I've never really started thinking about it till I'm about six months out from pub day. And oh, then I'll get OK. Back.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, it's funny how you uh, the farewell tour. I did attend. um Elton John's farewell tour. And that was like a fi- <laughs> five or six year farewell tour. And, um, and I did yeah. see him, I did see him twice cause he visited I'm from Chicago area. And so he did, um, do two shows or at least at least two shows and, um, in Chicago area. And so, but it was, it was really funny cause I'm just like, I'm thinking just when all these artists go on tour, like they're doing the same show over and over and over and over again but it's, like, usually maybe it's, like, a year, you know, or, like, eight months of right. touring. But he, like, he just, I, I'm thinking he probably just needed to build up his cushion um, before he's, <laughs> yeah. like, you know, straight up done performing.
1: The first concert I ever saw was Elton John. Um, yeah? At the Greensboro Coliseum, Greensboro, North Carolina, with his original band, you know, Nigel, uh, what's his name, Nigel Olsen, D. Murray, Davy Johnston, and you know, underrated, I think, is is just a straight ahead rock and roll band. They're they are some seriously good musicians.
0: Yeah, I he puts on a he put on a really good show for sure. Um he he the first song he he came out of the gate with Benny and the Jets. And so it's like, okay, oh yeah, like we're starting. <laughs> you know, that's this is how it's going. He's he's starting us off, he's setting the bar, and um Yeah, it was I I loved it. I really enjoyed myself. And, you know, all of all of his obviously all his outfits, you know, he's a little toned down now. But um, yeah, yeah, that was definitely one of like the more favorite ones. So, yeah, I you know what that's that's great that you are going to just kind of take your time and relax and enjoy uh, the fruits of your labor. Um, you know, with yourself and, and the dogs and the pups, that's, that's great. That's great. I love it. I love, that's what you gotta do. Like you don't. There's no rush, you know.
1: Well, there's the, probably a little bit more rush for me than most people, but yeah, it's 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 it. I think it makes for better writing too. I, I'm a, I have a lot of friends in, in the biz who just you know you've got a deadline, uh, and that's a lot of publishers want you want that series. They want a recurring character. And, and, and you need to have that book to the, you got basically a year to, to write it, to, to turn it out. And, and then they want it published in, you know, 18 months or so. And, right. and my gap is this is the usual three to four years.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I know that that's usually, I think that happens a lot with authors where they, um they have a story that they sit on or that they've been trying to get out for like 10 years or so. And then once they do, it's like, Oh like wait you want a multiple book deal like what like yeah do you would you ever like do another uh and oh god what's his last name Hughes Hughes yeah yeah I'm gonna start I'm sorry I read like two books a week I'm trying to like remember all these details um so what would you ever consider like revisiting him or like you know because I think there's maybe like a lot of potential to
1: create a series if you ever wanted to I have never I've never done this before, but my last book, which is called The Substitution Order, um, is is optioned, and and we now have a star attached, an Oscar winning director attached, and a really really good writer attached. And when I wrote this, and one of the questions they've asked me a lot, people are not anxious, I understand it in in the movie biz to to do straight up one-off movies. Everybody mm-hmm. wants to do a series a, 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 or, you know, you know, episodic TV where you do this, you have three, four seasons that you ring out of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we are, we are watching Justified now five or six seasons that came from one Elmore Leonard short story. Uh, and it's really great stuff. So when I wrote this book, and it's the first time I've ever done this, it is written so that with a couple of, of changes and some some bridging, it would tie into it would be the second part of my last book. Not the same characters, but it's plot written so that it could be retrofitted to pick up a season two. And I've never okay. done that before. And that's, that's as close as I've ever come uh, uh, to doing something like that. And, and, and that certainly didn't drive the narrative. It didn't drive the story. But sure. there were parts there that I said you know I could do it this way it will carry this story just fine it, it doesn't compromise what I'm doing and then we could if need be um, once the character in the uh, in the prior book is able to practice law again we could just plug him in and here we go yeah and you would yeah. Have, you would have a second story and that is as close as I've ever come to to revisting a character or or bringing a character or characters back.
0: Yeah. And then, so you said that, which, which title was this again that you're talking about?
1: The, the my, my, my last book was called, um, the substitutional order.
0: And and um, then that's, that's the one that's going to be turned in. And for the, yeah, that's, the,
1: the, yeah. Yeah. The writer strike is, 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 has held everything up yeah uh, right now. And, um, but it's been really fun, just great people to work with. And, and I understand better than most people. My first book was optioned again and again and again, and it never, never got anywhere. Mm. And uh, The Legal Limit, which was my third book, I think, was optioned two or three times. And and it can just fall apart in an instant. And, and I understand sure. that. And, but this is sort of as... Far along as I've ever gotten, and and it could fall apart tomorrow.
0: Oh yeah, but,
1: sure. But but, but but right now, there are a lot of talented, enthusiastic people who are uh, clustered around it and and anxious to get started. You know when the uh, actors' strike ends and when the writers' strike ends.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, well, congrats on your part for for getting that. Oh, thank um, you. Yeah, for, for progressing that. I mean, yeah, that's obviously very exciting. Unfortunately, the timing's not ideal.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I it's my, I asked my friend Daniel Wallace. Uh, Danny wrote uh, Big Fish, which became a Tim Burton movie. Yeah, and a yeah, very very successful movie. And I said, congratulations. You know, what's it like? And I asked I asked Daniel, and he said, it's kind of like having your child do well at school. <laughs> it's really, it's really not you. It's it's so independent of what you do. It's certainly my idea, in my book. But screenwriting, acting, directing—it's just a different world. Yeah. You know, the the book, you know, is a start. But yeah, it's really cool. Now, fingers crossed.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I I did. I actually saw Big Fish on Broadway when they were in Chicago. It was really cool. I didn't know what they were going to do yeah. with it, but it was really sweet. Yeah. It was fun.
1: Yeah, um, de- you know um, the movie is just in- incredibly good, and um, I- I've never seen a, a live production. Uh, I've-, I've talked to Daniel about it, and um, he was just really tickled with the um, with the way it turned out. I-, I guess as a play.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, I like it. And there's yeah, like the one thing you see about the actors, like they can really, de- you know, they bring it to life. That's like an understatement. Just to really like yeah. it. It really not just to entertain, but to like engage and really understand and really like just pull the audience in with. I don't know. I'm I'm kind of amazed with like with some of that now, just with like writers because I know writing is just like really it's really really difficult to, you know, to. I guess maybe it's not difficult to do. It's very difficult to do well and to, um, you know, just hit all those points and to just be a really good storyteller. But when you take it to that next level of like putting you know reaching um visual audience it's it's a whole nother ball game and i just you know i i, I give kudos to to the actors that could do it just just so well like you and mcgregor um yeah <clears throat> yeah just, he's he's got that look right he could he could turn it on that like little like innocent boy next door like bright-eyed bushy-tailed look
1: <laughs> yeah. you know <laughs> and yeah, and the, and the companion of that is that the writing is so totally different. It's yeah, it, it's it's not the kind of writing I can barely tell a story in three hundred pages. And yeah. uh, if it was a screenplay, you have one hundred and twenty pages, one hundred and ten or something like that. Each page has to is supposed to take so many minutes. And you see these people who can do it, and it's the difference in, in being a neurosurgeon and a podiatrist. It's just yeah, just it's just totally different and 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 not something that that i'm particularly good at but i you (laughs) it's such a big big part of obviously of having a successful you know a book turned into a movie or or yeah yeah i mean
0: well i you know i hope that um i mean not just for your sake but for you know the whole entertainment industry um that something happens for someone um soon because i know that we're not yeah. going to feel it now we're we're going to feel it within like 6 months like the, the our you know the audiences the streamers all that we're going to feel it
1: <laughs> no kidding no yeah. kidding
0: yeah, yeah definitely yeah. Okay, so Martin Clark, the Plinko Bounce comes out on September twelfth. Um, thank you so much. This was such a fun conversation and I, I really did enjoy um this was something different than what I'm used to. I'm like I, I'm a sucker for for crime fiction and like thriller, and so this was definitely like really it was really cool to to read this um like a change of pace and like the subgenre and Um, You know, like I said, I I, I enjoyed I enjoyed seeing how, you know, getting a little bit of insight into um, that industry, into the legal system and how just uh, you can bounce around like that because it's so realistic. And, you know, at some point in the future, I would love I would love, you know. To be able to pick your brain about any, I, I think maybe you should write a memoir. I'll just say it right now. You know, <laughs> leave the you know the details out with the uh, you know leave everybody anom- anonymous. With their the trials and the trials and the details and all that. But um, it I bet you've got some wild stories to tell.
1: What it, what is the great line? Well, you know, every all fiction is a little biography, and all biographies a little fiction. So maybe <laughs> I'm doing a little bit of that now. It, it's uh, it translates into. To, to the fiction I'm writing now. Thank you for inviting me. What what a what a fun conversation. To, this is as I said my my first stop for uh for Plinko Bounce and and it was just a lot of fun and thank you so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um real quick before you head out, where can readers and listeners find you
1: online or on social media? Oh, I'm um, I, I actually I have a website. It's just martinwww.martinclark.com and you can tell I'm old because I added the WWW in front of it. And and then I have and then I have a Facebook page. Uh, we I do not have I'm I have no Instagram but I and, and no Twitter, but I, I do have Facebook and, and a website. So there you go and, and stop by and say hello.
0: Yeah. Perfect. I know. Yeah. And we'll, we'll see you, uh, you know,
1: around the nerd Cantina Facebook group now that I know that you're there. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I, my, my, my Facebook name is M Moore Clark. So you'll see me there. That's because of my, my, my judge job. And uh, you, you, know, and it says I'm from, I've forgotten somewhere in Mississippi, but that's me and, and I'll okay. up here now and then, up and, and you'll see me commenting and, and we'll make this deal now for good luck. If the, um, the the book is, if it hits and, and makes either big or small screen, we'll return and, and and have a good nerdy conversation about it.
0: Yes, absolutely. Perfect. I'll hold you to it. I will, I'll do it. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Thank you. And there you go. That was Martin Clark talking about the Plinko Bounce that comes out on September 12th. Go ahead and check out the show notes for links to purchase the book and where to find him online. Rate, review, subscribe. Follow us on um, X, formerly known as Twitter and Instagram, The Nerd Cantina and Cantina Book Club. If you are looking for any book recommendations, check out my book reviews on thenerdcantina.com. If you find a book that you like, go ahead and hop on over to Amazon and Goodreads and give it a rating. It really does help the authors out. And as always, thank you guys so much for listening.